the right. Yes, this is Ian Trache for Discussion to Truth, Wednesdays, 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. That is p.m. post-meridian. Uh, look, we've got a great show coming your way, as always, coming up on four years. This is three and a half years doing the show, Discussion to Truth. We uh, are not... We are out of studio, not in, uh, not currently in uh, studio in Miami. Uh, we have been uh, remote for for some times, uh, for some time for a, num- a number of months now, and that is actually a good thing considering the coronavirus. Last week, if you didn't catch a program, Robert Scott Bell joined the show because there is a misconception about natural medicine in today's big pharma controlled world. Dr. Scott Bell is author and radio host, and tried to get to try to get those messages out to the public. Bell is a homeopathic practitioner and expert in silver therapeutics. He hosts the RSB radio show where he discusses health issues from perspectives of alternative and holistic healing. The power to heal, folks, is yours. Again, all the shows are available in podcast platform. They are uploaded into various outlets, uh, but go to anchor.fm. You can go into iTunes. Uh, type discussion of truth and try you can find them all there we are also joined last week with by helen by niski she's the uh curator if you will of helen of destroy focusing on analyzing and dismantling the propaganda narratives used to sell perpetual war and the police state to ordinary citizens folks yes the police state is becoming increasingly increasingly intrusive on your lives in case you have not Realize the information superhighway and the basic tentacles, if you will, of the reaches of the internet uh, are making their way into every aspect of your life. And uh, certain populations of us, being human beings, uh, are now accepting microchips into our uh, into our wrists, into our hands, and paying for groceries. By scanning those chips, things like that in that nature are happening. She's based in New York. New York. Her work can be found at RT. That's Russian Intelligence Infowars.com and Veterans Today. Next week, we'll be joined by. Hold on a minute. Pull this out because it's not updated uh, on the website. Next week, we'll be joined with by Miriam Henning. Um, and Miriam. Now, hold on a second. Now, this is June 10th. Let me let me backtrack. Pardon me. Yes. Next week, we'll be joined by Dr. Bandy Lee. Uh, Dr. Bandy Lee will be joining us for a second time out of New Haven. She's a medical doctor, and she's the author of The Dangerous Case for Donald Trump. She's a psychiatrist, and she says that our current commander-in-chief is simply not medically fit to be occupying the office that he has. Look. I don't take sides politically, and I don't think you should either. Uh, as an American, you should be analyzing uh, each and every candidate for who they are and what their values are, and uh, and that is her opinion. And in fact, uh, she has been on a number of mainstream mainstream platforms, but at one point in time, those got shut down, and so now she has graciously reaccepted an additional an additional invitation to join Discuss Your Truth uh, with me. So next week she'll be opening up the show. At the five o'clock hour, and that will be followed by Gerald Posner. If you're not familiar with what Gerald Posner does, his current book, Pharma, that's P H A R M, yes, short for pharmaceutical, Pharma, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America. 
That is literal. It's an 800-page, meticulously well-documented and researched book for your education purposes, folks. He's a three-time New York Times best-selling author and former Wall Street attorney. Uh, he is an investigative journalist and author. He's a native of San Francisco. He's Phi Beta Kappa and Kumasum Laud graduate of UC Berkeley. He's also a national debating champion at that time, winning the Meckeljohn Award. Posner went on to receive a JD from UC Hastings. And so getting into the books that he has written, perhaps, perhaps most notably is the New York Times bestselling book, Case Closed, Lee Harvey Oswald and the Assassination of JFK. That was 1993. It digs into JFK and the assassination thereof, and he followed that book up with Killing the Dream, James Earl Ray and the assassination of Martin Luther King. Interestingly enough, right? So in 2015, he released God's Bankers, A History of Money and Power at the Vatican. The Vatican is still an incredibly strong force in the world economics, in world politics, and certainly in world religion. Let's not forget that the Bank of England, where the, or excuse me, the Corporation of London, which is the the actual city of London, Khan, um, uh, uh, who is the mayor of the metropolitan area of London, uh, that is not the city of London. The financial center outside of the city of London is Westminster. So looking into the history of how the makeup of London, 1066, William the Conqueror was unable to conquer London. And still, to this state, it is an independent, sovereign property, not actually part of the United Kingdom. And the Queen of England reports to its Lord Mayor. Okay? It is a Roman mechanism. And that was verbatim on Discussion of Truth about a month ago by uh, Ronan Palin, who is a professor of economics in London. It's a Roman banking mechanism. He said that right on this program. So God's Bankers, Gerald Posner, History of Money and Power at the Vatican. We'll be discussing that. He, uh, per the Chicago Tribune, he is a merciless pit bull of an investigator. And his latest book, as I mentioned, Pharma, Greed, Lies, and a Poisoning America, Ice Corporate American Pharmaceuticals, listed in 2016 as number 52 of Deloitte's Fast 500 in North America. One such company comes under Posner's fire is Insys, Phoenix, Arizona maker of subsis, a sublingual liquid form of fentanyl. The company declared bankruptcy in 2019. By the way, an interesting, interesting coordination between the Kobe Bryant death, okay, not saying that there is any real fundamental relation there, but he was suing a trademark infringement of Black Mamba, and I don't think he was granted that by the patent office in D.C., but he was suing a pharmaceutical company in Arizona, and that company's founder was just sent to prison. Uh, just an interesting link there. You can do your work if you if you want to do your 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 connection connective work on that. Do your connective work. The former VP of Sales Alec Berlikoff was accused of operating a program that paid doctors lucrative speaking fees to encourage prescription of the drug in 2017. That's Insys founder John Kapoor. Hmm. Actually, John Kapoor. This is the same exact company I'm talking about with connections to Black Mamba. 
that name in the Kobe Bryant deal. You've been charged with a RICO conspiracy and conspiracy to violate the anti-kickback law. This is John Kapoor, Indian-born, I believe. Posner regular, regularly contributes to NBC, the History Channel, CNN, Fox News, CBS, and MSNBC. He's a member, member of the New York and D.C. bars, as well as the International Criminal Court. That'll be coming your way here on Discussion of Truth next week. Then we'll be getting into June. And, of course, in June... Hold on. I think I've got some of these dates... Yes, I do. Uh, pardon me. Okay, right. All right. We're already into June next week. Okay. Uh, getting into, moving on into June, June 10th, uh, we've got Marion Hennon, Hennon. And Marion Hennon will be joining us in regards to uh, what she's got in regards to exposing Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, J.P. Lindstrup, who's a contributor regularly on this program, has been, been so close to three years now, um, shares the same alma mater, undergraduate alma mater in New England with uh, Dr. Fauci. And I'm sure he's an exceptionally intelligent individual. But a la Italian parliament um, and uh, 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 her name, let me get this, uh, let me get this name for you. Um, one moment here. Let me get this name because it is important. Uh, Sarah Cuneo. A member of the Italian parliament is suing uh, uh, Bill Gates, to the best of my knowledge, for crimes against humanity. Okay. Um, so, Dr. Fauci has got some dirt. Now, whether there's any link between Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates? Absolutely they are. Uh, are there links to the, between them and the Italian parliament? I don't know, but certainly ID2020, which is a Rockefeller-based, uh, Rockefeller-funded and Microsoft-funded a movement to uh, digital to, for digital tattoos. Uh, uh, there's there's links here. So anyway, so Miriam and I threw I threw in JP in there because because we're not crit critiquing anybody's intelligence, of course. But uh, but there if there are backdoor sales and deals going on uh, that end up hurting the general public, a la lies greed and the poisoning of America in the pharmaceutical industry, then that's what we seek out to destroy. Isn't it? Um, so Henning, Henning joins us next week. She, she'll be joining the program for the fourth time, and she will be joined with Dr. Michael Hall, who just recently joined us out of Miami Beach. And he has a lawsuit regarding uh, against Fauci regarding the uh, involvement he had with the Zika virus. So that's coming your way June 10th, and the second hour of June 10th will be joined by Temple Grandin, who is uh, autistic. Uh, I, I don't know if uh, she's uh, autistic, autistic related, related to vaccines, but uh, she has uh, overcome her autism and received not only a BA and an MS, but she received a doctorate degree from the University of Illinois. And she currently teaches at Colorado State University. She'll be, she'll be joining us June 10th uh, of, of, of course, uh, next month. June 17th, we'll have a Hong Kong-based British uh, author Nick Binge to talk about uh, artificial intelligence and his latest book, Professors Everywhere. And then we'll be hosting uh, former Secret Service Uniformed Division Officer Gary Byrne. Now, also, Justin, before we bring on today's guest, because we've got just a few moments. Uh, Justin, today, we have confirmed with William Arkin who's a former uh, Army intelligence officer, I do believe, um, a soldier anyway, uh, and he is also a uh, 
He's a military affairs analyst for the LA Times, Washington Post, and the New York Times. So he'll be, he'll be joining us uh, later on the month. And today we are joined by, uh, we're going to start out here the first hour with uh, Project Veritas. And uh, and then we'll be we'll be moving in to we'll have Neil McCabe joining us, and then we'll move we'll be moving in with Seth Dillon, who's based out of uh, Jupiter, Florida, uh, running the Babylon B- Babylon B is his online publication. So without any further ado, because I know they've tried con- uh, contacting, uh, I uh, will uh, now Skype in Neil McCabe with uh, with Project Veritas. But before doing that. Uh, let me briefly, uh, briefly mention what uh, what me- Neil Neil has done uh, in his career. Uh, he's a current communication manager for Project Veritas. Neil is a media fellow at the Gold Institute for International Strategies. And prior to joining Project Veritas, Neil covered the White House, Capitol Hill, and national politics for One American News. That's O A N. Breitbart and human events before going to Washington, where he currently is. Uh, my understanding with Project Veritas, he was a staff reporter for Boston's Catholic paper, The Pilot, and the editor of two Boston area community papers, The Somerville News and The Ale Wife. McCabe is a public affairs NCO in the Army Reserve, and he deployed for 15 months to Iraq as a combat historian. And bring him on right now. You've tuned in to Discussion of Truth. I am Ian Hamilton Trotchier. You can follow me at Twitter and uh, on Instagram at I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. Contribute to the program. Make a donation and uh, get uh, one of our one of our uh, great Stop Mass Media t-shirts, No More Lies. And by the way, book releasing, Publishers Trying Day, coming out June 23rd. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil McKay calling in right now. Neil. Hey, how you doing? Fantastic. Oh, you've got video. Okay, I've got uh, you've got you've got the the you're in studio. I don't have uh, I don't have my video set up, but I can do that for you if you like. Hey, fantastic. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate. Okay, this is uh, Ian Trottier. You're uh, you're joining Discussion of Truth. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, uh, this isn't. I'm not getting sound through these headphones. You're not getting a meltdown, or just. Can you talk again for me, Ian, please? Yes, I can, Neil. Welcome to Discussion of Truth. I'm host Ian Trottier. It's not coming through the headphones. Okay, so we're having a technical difficulty there with Project Veritas. They are in sound booth. Neil is in sound booth right now, currently, and uh, and he's not. Hey, we'll just do it straight from the. Uh, if you're good with the sound, I'll just do it straight from the computer, man. That sounds fantastic, Neil. It works for me. Let me actually right, set this up. Are you recording on your end? Uh, I'm not. Okay, that's fine. Uh, I have obviously an audio recording, uh, but uh, the video recording. Let me see if I can hit the uh, video. Uh, pardon me. All right, this is not set up. Wasn't expecting a video. I typically don't do video, but um, yeah, you don't need to do the video, man. We're we're good. We just were, we just wanted to be ready for you. If whatever you want to do it. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, here we go. So 
Uh, all right, so Neil, I gave a I gave a a, a, a brief description of uh, your, uh, uh, your 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 resume, your history. Uh, you started out in Boston as and, and so so. Why don't you, for listeners, why don't you uh, describe what you do, obviously, with Project Veritas? What led you to Project Veritas? Uh, what you were doing at Breitbart, and kind of set the stage here for for listeners to understand a little more about about you and what you're what you're bringing to the table here. Yeah, this is it's what I call a. I've been running sort of this black market journalism career, and uh, I started in Boston with uh, two neighborhood newspapers. One was the Somerville News, one was the Alewife, which was in North Cambridge. And the Somerville News was a weekly, and uh, I actually owned the Alewife, which was a, a monthly paper that I put out on my own. And along along that time, I was uh, for about eight years. I was the regular staff reporter for Boston's Catholic paper and the the photographer for Cardinal O'Malley's blog. And sort of the whole time I'm sort of working these different, I'm doing neighborhood stories, I'm, I'm with the Cardinal, I'm, you know, City Hall and planning board meetings and all the sort of local stuff. But the whole time I'm, uh, I'm thinking about if I was to do the things I'm learning, could I escape? like national, like would they work, like the same way I approach a story. And so when I deployed to Iraq uh, 2009 to 2010 as a combat historian, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is to sort of not go back to Boston and see if I could finagle something in Washington. And so uh, I, I couldn't really do it direct from Iraq. Uh, yep. So I... So I took a one-year tour at Fort Bragg, okay. the 18th Air Corps Public Affairs, and I wrote for the paper there at Fort Bragg, ran some Facebook pages for the Army, and then I was able to land a job with Human Events and sort of arrive in D.C. And then from you know from D.C. you're you know you're covering Capitol Hill, you're covering politics, and then you go to you know from Human Events, you go to uh, Breitbart. Uh, I had been to the Army's broadcast journalism school, okay. so. When uh, One American News had an opening to be a uh, TV correspondent, I was able to go on to One American News. And and so having done all this, um, you know, I've interviewed Bri uh, James O'Keefe. I've covered Project Veritas. And somebody, somebody gave them my name as they were looking to replace... Uh, a legendary man in the in the sort of the history of Project Veritas named Stephen Gordon, and Stephen Gordon had been a communications director for uh, for for years with James O'Keefe, really sort of like an alter ego. Uh, his ideas about media and the press and how to how to present Project Veritas are are absolutely ingrained. And when he he passed away, the position was really open for more than a year because emotionally the people here, they just couldn't, um, you know, for a while they didn't touch his desk. I don't know if you know people like no. that who, away, who left such an superstitious impression that you're afraid to touch his office. Like it's almost like a, it's like a sacrilege to even clear out his desk, you know? Yeah. And so, and so in the process of replacing uh, Stephen Gordon, uh, they reached out to me and uh, named me sort of the communications manager. 
and then they also brought in somebody to be a communications director. So they basically hired two people to to fill the shoes of Stephen Gordon. And what I bring to that is I was always on the buy side. So I, you're, when you're a reporter, people are always pitching you ideas. They're trying to push stuff on you. And it's really kind of, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easy, right? You it's like you wake up in the morning and people are throwing ideas at you. Sure. And, uh, but when you're on the sell side, it's a completely, like I'm now trying to trick the reporters into doing my stories. And so it's, it's interesting to be on the sell side, uh, because I actually know what the reporters and the editors need. And a lot of sort of marketing PR people, have no background or experience in journalism. They've, they've never been a working reporter. I've been a working reporter. I know these working reporters. And so it's, uh, I, I think that's what I bring to the table uh, with, with James. And of course, you know, when it comes to media and everything else, anybody who's familiar with James O'Keefe, I mean, he's like, it's like working with Mickey Mantle. You know, it's like, it's, you know, he, he has done, you know, going back more than 10 years, some of the biggest stories in the last 10 years uh, were James O'Keefe. In fact, uh, we still get media inquiries about Acorn stories, and that was like 2009. We still get people writing about yeah. his 2007 when he did the, uh, with Lila Rose, when he did the exposés on Planned Parenthood, and that was 2007. Uh, and so and so it's it, it's a great experience, uh, Ian. I yeah, this, think I think I answered your question. I don't know if I went too long. No, no, no. no. This is this is this is about you and Project Veritas, and, and certainly uh, James. Uh, for listeners out there, James was scheduled to join. There's been an internal uh, conflict of, of scheduling, so w- the, the the invitation remains extended uh, for Mr. O'Keefe to join uh, join the program. Perhaps that'll happen at a later date. But Neil. Uh, McCabe, we're we're speaking to, we're speaking with Neil W. McCabe. He's a communications manager at Project Veritas. Neil has been very uh, 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 he's been he's been kind enough to to uh, to fill that slot for us today. Um, so so Neil, for for really for listeners out there, what we're what we're looking at in 2020 more than ever, and this seems to be becoming a uh, an increasing uh, increasingly important issue, and I think more and more Americans are catching wind of this. In that, uh, in that mainstream media is simply not reporting uh, facts uh, on many levels. On many levels, I, I certainly I, I don't want to. I don't want to accuse uh, mainstream media because the mainstream media is broad. But we're looking at we're looking at ownership of mainstream media. Uh, this is this is why I don't think uh, we ever heard uh, Obama, for instance, talk about fake news. But we hear this coming uh, out of uh, the Trump administration frequently, um, and I think what 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 Donald Trump is trying to do, and of course we, we, we don't take sides religiously and politically on the program, but uh, what I think Donald Trump is trying to do is is he's trying to get um, Americans to really wake up. And this is Neil. You can talk a little bit more about this and what really where you started in Boston and come with these some of these grassroots uh, get out there pound the pavement. Uh, get real journalism out there, but I don't think America. And Neil, maybe maybe you can kind of take it from there. I don't think mass media in America is reporting real news. Uh, it seems to be completely manipulated uh, to, uh, of course, uh, playing to the hands of large corporations, uh, and, and 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 it's a more of a profitizing uh, marketing scheme, really, what's going on in these these main outlets. Um, but why don't you go from there, Neil? Uh, and, and again, you can talk about some of your personal contributions. I, I think 
that's really the basis of the founding of Project Veritas. And I think that's really what, what O'Keefe, James, has done uh, with his time over the past uh, 10, 15 years. Why don't you take him there, there Neil? Well, you know, uh, my background is really in what I call institutional journalism. I, I think they, they, in the marketing schools, they call it brand journalism. But, you know, when you're working, when you're writing for the Catholic Church, and sure. you're writing for the U.S. Army, and I'll tell you, there's no shifting of gears. Like, it's the exact same skill set. And so to sort of, as part of my professional development, uh, I would read the China Daily, which is put out every day by the Chinese Communist Party. And I just thought it was a very professionally done piece of propaganda. And frankly, as a, as a propagandist for the church and the army, like, I just felt that the Chinese Communist Party, they were kind of like peers in my industry, right? And so, and so but I noticed... In 2015, they started talking about fake news. And the first time I ever saw the term fake news was in the China Daily. And what they said was that there was there was some flooding in Beijing and and people netizens, right? People on the internet, which is the phrase they use, people on the internet they call netizens, had reported that there was flooding where there was no flooding, and they reported that there was no flooding where there was flooding, and that basically people are putting out bad reports about the weather, and this must be corrected because it's an unsafe situation. And I said to myself, wow, that seems like a very interesting excuse to start censoring, exerting more control. That first they, the first thing the Chinese were saying is, we're just doing it for public safety to correct mistakes online and in the inter on the internet. And then I started seeing fake news pop up in the United States. And it almost seemed like it was like a direct lift, if you will. And so one of the things that, uh, and I'll get back to you on the corporate journalism, because I think that's a very strong point. So one of the things when you're in sort of the propaganda or public affairs business is when you read these uh, product, it's not what is said, it is why it is said what is not said and why it is not said. So if there's an article on the front page of the New York Times that says uh, voters think that Hillary Clinton will be a better commander in chief than Donald Trump, that, rep that editorial decision to put that article on the front page of the New York Times is not because some reporter was just so damn motivated and passionate to write an article about how people think that she'll make a better commander in chief. It was because somebody in the Clinton campaign had bad commander in chief numbers and they called up their friend in the New York Times and they said, can you put this out for us? Which they did. And so with this sort of construct and coming from that, that institutional journalism, a lot of times I don't, I don't read it. I don't read it for what it says. I read it for why is, why did somebody decide to do this? And as with a background in institutional journalism, I see institutions like, you know, CBS, we'll call that Viacom, right? ABC, we'll call that Disney, right? CNN, we will call that, you know, Time Warner, AT&T. These are multi-billion dollar corporations. They have interests, right? They want to survive. And so when they put out stories or knock down stories, 
it's for their interests. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about, say, Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is not necessarily a very left-wing or liberal town, but it's a pro-Washington, D.C. town. And so, you know, just like Hollywood has the movie business, Washington, in Washington, the government is the business. It's an industry town, and the industry is government. And so the Washington Post and all of the media and everybody in Washington, in Washington, they want all of the money and all of the decisions in Washington, not elsewhere, because that's the way they want to do things. And so it's to their interests. And, and that's how I see a lot of this stuff play out. What, what James O'Keefe with Project Veritas, so James O'Keefe was seeing sort of the hypocrisy or the mixed messaging and you know, like when you look at almost like his, the first time he really walked on the national stage was at Rutgers when he convinced the head of the dining facility at Rutgers to ban Lucky Charms because it was bigoted against the Irish, right? And he's like six foot two <laughs> or six foot one. And he said, you know, you're portraying the Irish as these little people, these leprechauns. Well, I'm obviously of Irish descent. Full of gold. And, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, and so, you know, with Lila Rose, you know, in 2007, right? She's, uh, she tells them that I am pregnant, but I'm 15. And Planned Parenthood says, well, if you're 15 and you get this abortion, we have to report it to the police because it's statutory rape. However, if you lie to us and tell us you're 16, the police don't have to get involved. Well, now it's all on tape, right? And so, and then you go into ACORN, ACORN, uh, was actually not Project Veritas. That was James O'Keefe and uh, Hannah Giles. And so 2010, 2011, when Project Veritas was really established and became a, a, a tax sort of nonprofit in 2011, it was, let's create a place, almost like an incubator or a format where James and other like-minded people can sort of pursue this sort of journalism. And the journalism that James settled on was investigative journalism where he has hidden cameras getting people to say things that they don't say in public. Great. That's exactly, that, that, that's great. That's, that's, that's journalism at, at the purest form. That's, that's what needs uh, to be happening on any, on any levels, uh, on any level. Uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, hidden cameras. Uh, I started this, Neil, uh, almost four years ago in Miami due to the, the Zika epidemic. And as I began befriending a former JAG lawyer uh, and putting together a proposed uh, uh, protest to happen at the Tamiani Airport in Miami, uh, I, was told, I, I was told that the cameras would be thrown off of the protest. I'd be shoved onto private land, arrested, and I'd be charged, uh, charged with a felony trespassing, and possibly even be charged as a terrorist. So uh, that was told to me by a former JAG lawyer who had received word from somewhere else. Um, but this is, uh, look, I, I, I never set out to do this show. is by invitation, and simply it's really symbolic uh, if, you've, if you've taken a moment to look at, look at some of the guests who have joined the program. It's, it's simply symbolic of the fact that 
again, going back to that corporate mongering uh, going on with 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 what you and James are doing as far as journalists. Uh, it, it, there's a complete brainwashing and a complete manipulation of what is being fed, not, and not only to the United States, not only to Americans. This is happening. I, I had on John uh, Waters uh, from Dublin uh, just two weeks ago, and he's taken the High Court of Dublin of Ireland to, uh, to uh, of course, to court. He's, he's suing them over, over this lockdown. Uh, we've got bigger issues to be looking at, but of course, uh, getting in what 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 James is doing and what you're doing, getting in and 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 implanting these hidden type uh, cameras to to expose some of these falsehoods. Uh, my motto on the program is "Seek and Destroy." I opened up with Metallica, "Seek and Destroy." I've been doing that now for uh, about three years. Uh, what do you see, uh, Neil? Uh, uh, what do you see as being? Uh, we can get into the COVID nineteen issue, but but again, I kind of wanted to piggyback off of. Project Veritas, because again, yeah. this is the Latin word for truth, as far as I understand, uh, and, yes, and that seems to be what 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 you folks are all about, and certainly what James uh, set out in doing is is exposing the truth, getting the truth out to Americans, uh, and, and you can tackle some of these other uh, issues that, uh, that that you may feel uh, are, are infringing on uh, on people's rights and being uh, being exposed to the truth. Uh, but uh, but what do you what would you say right now, Neil? Is uh, is is one of the biggest issues? Do you think that we have a corrosion of freedom of press? Do do you do you agree with that? Well, I, I you know I tend to see things as uh, not so much as in absolutes, but you know competing forces, right? That uh, you know people talk about an elite in this country. There are competing elites in this country. Absolutely. There are yeah. competing media outlets. There are people with different, uh, different interests who are smashing at each other. I think that one of the things that, uh, you, point, you can name some names, Neil, Neil, you, you can, you can name some names and, and go up for ah. listen, listeners need to know this stuff. Believe me, or, or I'll name what I think, what, what I, <laughs> what the names that I think I going on. And I know you've got some funding sources that may prohibit you from naming names. But continue. Wow, wow. Where, where that, let me just say this. Uh, <laughs> as a reporter, okay, the easiest thing to do in Washington, D.C. is to do for me. Every day as a political reporter in Washington, D.C., I would do a story on how is the Republican leadership blocking the conservative agenda and conservatives today? And that was like every day. Great, great. There was just like, you know. Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan personally blocked the heartbeat bill because the bill said it was from Steve King from Iowa, said if a baby's heartbeat is detected, you cannot kill the fetus. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I talked to a, a national conservative columnist who personally lobbied Paul Ryan uh, to get it onto the floor. I talked to the chairman of the uh, Judiciary Committee. I uh, talked to people on the record, the, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee on the record, tell me I want it on the floor. The reason Paul Ryan blocked the heartbeat bill was because it would pass. Because if he thought it wouldn't pass, he wouldn't block it. And so you have a Republican Party who for more than 40 years has said, we're just going to ban abortion. That was our in our platform. And yet they haven't. Why haven't they? I don't know. Now, I'm not speaking for Veritas on this way, in this way. This is my own analysis. But I think this is sort of like what we're working on uh, or we're looking at in this country is that you have 
the people who are supposed to be carrying forward our agenda actually don't support our agenda. Like, you know, and so you have, uh, you know, I think if you want to go back to James, what James O'Keefe is focused on every two years, either through uh, Project Veritas or our sister organization, Project Veritas Action, which handles the, when we actually are dealing with candidates or election things, is voter fraud, election fraud. Right, yeah. And it's like yeah. every every two years, we are doing stories on voter fraud and exposing the voter fraud, and we're exposing what what James will call like the private, the private truth compared to the public lie. So that the, you know, so that the woman running for office in Kentucky, who's all for coal, coal in Kentucky, but then when she's at a fundraiser somewhere else, she says, oh, I hate coal. We have to get rid of coal. Like, this is like horrible. <laughs> and it's happened. And, and so this happens like all the time. And then I think when you talk about like the issues facing this country is, yeah. You know, we talk about like mail-in ballots and, you know, Twitter's like saying it, uh, it's not true. Mail-in ballots are fine. It is not OK if we have elections when half the country thinks that the elections are bogus. Right, right, right. And so it's not like you don't have to explain to me how great mail-in ballots are with your barcodes and your thumbprints or whatever you come up with. If I don't trust you. We don't have a democracy anymore. We have something else and just call it something else. But if if you want to call it a democracy, then it actually has to be a democracy. And so Project Veritas has more than 30 undercover journalists that will be across the country through November who will be investigating voter fraud, ballot harvesting, uh, and also trying to catch candidates that are saying stuff in private that they would not say in public because because the people have a right to know. The people's right to know is as powerful an idea as the right to speak itself. Yeah, no, well, uh, well said. This is this is great. And 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 does Project Veritas do that? Do they do, do you do you side? You, you seem to be. Is it, is it correct that, that Project Veritas is, is right right leaning? Hold uh, on. Hold on. What? Should I not be asking that question? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Let me just say. Let me say this about that, right? You know, I think that uh, James O'Keefe personally has been active in in sort of with other with conservatives and and yeah. active on conservative issues. And you know, we dealt with the same thing of uh, what you'd call bias, I guess, when I was at One American News. I would tell people One American News isn't necessarily conservative. It's just that we cover stories that everyone else ignores. Yeah. So it seems like it, but we're just talking to a congressman that can't get the time of day from CNN. And so a, a lot of time, you know, it's the mainstream media just doesn't care about voter, doesn't care about these issues. And so it happens to land on the conservative side sometimes. But, you know, Jim Sensenbrenner, who was one of the impeachment prosecutors for the House of Representatives against Bill Clinton, you know, we caught him in a bar talking crazy things. You know, it's like we've there was a there was a Republican in New Hampshire who told our our undercover journalists that he had voted in both Florida and New Hampshire. And because of that story by Project Veritas, the legislature in New Hampshire 
overrode the Democratic governor's veto of a voter ID law. And so that is now the law in New Hampshire. And that actually was a Republican voter. And so I don't think there's any, if, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I, you know, uh, Doonesbury's done by, uh, by Trudeau. Right. And, uh, Somebody asked Trudeau once, they said, how come, I thought you were some liberal, how come you make fun of Democrats in Doonesbury? And he says, well, yeah, I'm a liberal and it's a political, it's a political cartoon strip, but in the end, the joke always trumps the politics because it's supposed to be funny. And so with Project Veritas, it's about the impact. It's can we break through the sort of uh, mainstream media embargo on this truth, and can we actually change things for the better based on truth? Because when we when we report on people, we have video of them speaking, right? You sure. see their lips moving. Right. You hear them. It's what they really say. It's not it's not somebody scribbling in a notebook and then writing then typing it up later. And I'm not, you know, and I've, I've worked that side of the house. Like that was my job, but it, uh, you know, it, it, it's something, you know, when there's a lot of talk about, you know, doctored videos, selectively edited videos with project Veritas and in 2012, there was an expose by Veritas of national public radio, where for the first time, public radio executives, senior people basically told our undercover people that for years, George Soros had been funding national public radio through, and they basically have found a way to list it differently so it wouldn't show up in reports. And they also, we also had undercover people portraying themselves as an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, offering to give $5 million to national public radio with the provision that they didn't want it, <clears throat> they didn't want their names in there. They say, no, 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 we'll cover that up. And they said, we also are concerned that you're that your, uh, your coverage of Israel is a little too favorable. And mm -hmm. uh, the fundraiser from NPR says, oh, well, you know, that's not really our department, but we can make a phone call to the newsroom. I mean, we have conversations with them. There was some, there was an accusation of deceptive edits, which I think I, as someone who's edited video, I see them as editorial choices, but we've actually written about it and the projectveritas.com website discussing how those decisions came about. And we understand why people think they're deceptive. And we go to the raw tape to the, compare to the edited tape. And it's there for people to check out themselves. Since 2012, there has been no, there's been no, there's been no legitimate accusation of an edit. In fact, if anyone finds a deceptive edit and a Project Veritas posts that NPR thing, James will give them $10,000. And so it's, uh, I, know, I know it's been out there. I, in fact, the Young Turks, the Young Turks did a story about us uh, where they said that uh, the, our, our report on David Wright, the ABC reporter who said he was a socialist and uh, was suspended by ABC News, they said that it was a doctored video and our lawyers wrote them a letter and they took the segment down. Uh, we have eight retractions for, from Washington Post reporters. Some of those retractions include both the story and the headline. 
and 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 some of those reporters have been retract been re they've, we've forced them to make retractions twice uh you know part of my job at veritas is to sort of catch these sort of mistakes that are said about project veritas the number one thing of course is the accusation that the videos are deceptively edited and so it's it's a it i don't know i can never figure out what irony really is and it's a like so, so sometimes i just say it's bizarre because i'm not sure if i'm really defining irony however i will say that a video of someone where you hear them and you see their sure. mouth moving as they say the words how that is somehow phony baloney not what somebody was writing in a notebook and then later typed up it 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 really it really bothers me, and I, I don't see how I don't see how you could argue with somebody saying what he says. Like they say it was doctor. Well, everybody edits. I mean, everyone edits video unless it's C-SPAN, right? By the way, the suit looks great on you. Uh, <laughs> being the first time uh, speaking with you, uh, Neil. So so let's insert let's insert um, censorship into this because okay. uh, because you've got obviously uh, seeking out truth, doing that by hey. You don't realize it, but I got a camera on you, and I'm yeah. I've got everything's everything's being recorded coming out of your mouth. So uh, whether you contradict yourself or you, you're a hypocrite later on down the road, that's that's up to you. You know whatever. So that, so again, so it's censorship. So zero hedge, right? So we, we can we got about uh, 15, 20 minutes left on this. Uh, zero hedge was one of it. It was an early uh, publication that I think uh, questioned some of the hiring happening at Wuhan. And, and, and if this is something that's, you're uncomfortable with getting into this, that uh, let me know. We won't go that route. We'll we go somewhere else. I don't think we take any Chicom money, so keep going. <laughs> no, I don't think we do either. Um, so, uh, so, 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 so Zero Hedge uh, ends up uh, posting you know, some of these job descriptions and, and research around uh, this, uh, what, what's known to become uh, COVID-19, this bat virus, um, and, uh, and, and, and they're banned from Twitter. So how do you see censorship and what you're doing at Project Veritas and what James is doing and, and, and your, your staff, what you're doing as far as uh, these 30 reporters out of the country uh, doing? Uh, is this a concern of yours if, if something uh, if something gets uploaded into Facebook, Twitter, uh, social media, and then it becomes censored, like is uh, commonly uh, a common ground on YouTube? Uh, these days, uh, these these uh, these conflicting stories and, and whatever it doesn't meet their guidelines, so they so they just, they they take it out. Uh, what's your what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know the the, the term shadow ban actually comes from a Project Veritas expose of Twitter, where you know the, they they basically said flat out this is how we do it and this is why we do it, and uh, we also did exo exposes on Google and YouTube. And I think I am authorized to say that in the middle of June, we will have... You're being a, censored, possibly. No, we will have <laughs> a gigundo story. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, an expose of a social media giant that I think will really... Uh, I think will really... Uh, it will have some impact. It, I think it will have impact in Washington, and I think it will have impact in the, in the general public. But I think that, you know, Project Veritas exists as a media outlet because we have to have our own platform because we can't always rely on someone else's sure. platform. Uh, you know, censorship takes on many forms. And, you know, the left is very good at running boycotts. You know, uh, Tucker Carlson wasn't really in danger of being taken off the air, but I think Laura Ingram, her show survived by the skin of its teeth. 
because of the, the vicious boycott. Uh, I know it at Breitbart for a time, I won't tell you how they fixed it, but I will tell you that more than a thousand companies signed a document saying that they didn't want their banner ads running on Breitbart. And of course, this is an automatic system you know, it based on someone's search engines, but a left-wing group went around and signed up all these companies so that their so that their ads wouldn't run on Breitbart. And so, you know, that's a form of censorship also. And so it's and it's also the, you know, the fake news stories that go out. We did an undercover investigation of COVID where we had four uh, funeral directors in the New York City area and all four funeral directors told us that everyone that they're burying is being marked down as COVID-19 and I don't want to say none of them but they're yeah. saying like the vast majority of these people were not related to COVID-19 yeah. they said that the medical examiners are not doing the investigation it's like Guy, one one guy described a, a man in his 40s died at his house. Uh, he had no, there was no medical examiner who didn't do an investigation. Somebody said he had a fever. They mark it down as COVID. Uh, a, queen, a funeral director in Queens told one of our investigators that a woman was marked down as dying from COVID, and the family's like she was never treated with COVID. She never had symptoms of COVID. She had been battling Alzheimer's for years. And it was it was painful to this family that out of it was like disrespectful to her. Sure. She had fought against this disease and she finally lost to this disease. But how how, how else? How can you recognize this? It's by marking it down as covid. Why? Because I, I don't know. I don't know what people make if it's a covid, you know, and I know that like they were putting people on ventilators because it was more money to put them on ventilators. Uh, and so we were able to sort of expose this truth that a lot of these COVID deaths are not actually COVID. Now, you know, funeral directors aren't doctors. They're not coroners, but it is their business. I mean, they are in the death trade. And so, uh, you know, it just so they're familiar with it every day. And if there's if they're seeing everybody come in, it's COVID and they know it's not COVID. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them were glad to speak out. In fact, one of them actually got back to us and said that they were a supporter of Project Veritas. So, Neil, uh, I, I want to get your, I know you've yeah. uh, you've interviewed uh, Donald Trump back in 2016. I want to get perhaps some, some angle on uh, if you're in communication with him today. But but I want to uh, still run with the with this COVID uh, narrative and, and angle of, of being this mass threat. Um, what is, if you're not familiar with this, I'll explain. But what is your opinion on uh, uh, World World Patent, this is uh, available. It's, a, it's a recently published by Microsoft. Um, this is a cryptocurrency patent to run a cryptocurrency off of uh, microchipped human beings. It's it's W O two zero two zero zero six zero six zero six, and this is public information off of uh, the public domain. Google uh, being uh, being accessible. It's a it's a it's a patent. It was recently uh, uh, recently published again by Microsoft, uh, and, and and essentially again, this is a this is a cryptocurrency. So if you're looking at the middle class of the United States, taking a massive hit, we got what, 30, 35 million, 31 million uh, uh, unemployed now, uh, filing for unemployment claims anyway, uh, you, you, in the next six months to a year, we're really going to see 
uh, that evolve into what that's going to be. But you've got a shrinking of the middle class. This is nothing new. This has been happening for uh, the past 20 years. But this is now taking a massive hit. Uh, you know, not getting into economics and, 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 and how the Federal Reserve will respond, or, or rather the U.S. Treasury will respond, but you've got, therefore, possibly a, an advantage here uh, for a, a digital currency to be installed. Uh, what is your view on something like that? And then I want you to talk a little bit about your association with Donald Trump. All right, so let me just say that, uh, you know, it, it's not really proper for, for Project Veritas to be speculating about things or you know, and, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to, you know, obviously the condition of this is that, uh, you know, when I speak about politics and things, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm not speaking for Project Veritas. But I think there is, the, the concern would be if Project Veritas was to get involved in something like this, is that we would want to be able to speak privately to the people undercover who are actually putting this thing together and find out what they're really saying, because the most the most powerful viral Project Veritas releases are the ones where it's something we all suspected and everybody told us we were crazy. And then it turned right. out to be absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I let me just leave it at that then. You got to laugh out of me. So, yeah. All uh, right. So, so get into. Yeah, go ahead. Get into Donald Trump. Well, uh you know, Donald Trump, uh, I interviewed him in uh, March of 2016 during the uh, Wisconsin primary, and uh, and he was fantastic. And uh, we Neil, hold on a second. Right. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, it, it, I followed the Donald Trump uh, candidacy a little bit, and he, he initially ran as an independent. So, so well, your time with him, was that when he was an independent or as he had been declared as a Republican? No, no, he was a Republican. This was, this was, uh, this was March of 2016. And, uh, and, you know, it, I, the only thing he asked me, so it was wicked hot in his, uh, I'm from Boston, but I've lost my accent. So, Oh, was, I picked uh, up on it a couple times. So he was in this auditorium and it was Wisconsin, right? So they, had, for security reasons, they closed all the doors and the windows, but there was no AC on because it was Wisconsin in March. And so it was like a killman there. And so the only thing Donald Trump asked me before the interview, because it was live on One American News, was he looks at me and he says, please, all I ask is that when the interview starts, please mention how hot it was in there hmm. because we were running late. We were, I was supposed to interview him before the rally. He says, I made you wait because they, I couldn't make them wait any longer, but it was so hot in there. And so if I seem like I'm sweating or I'm perspiring, can you just please explain to people why that is? And that was his only concern. And we had an amazing conversation. And, uh, you know, it's like a lot of politicians. I'm sure you've had the same experience with politicians. Like, I was like, wow, we're buds. I thought it was going to go fishing with him the next Saturday. Sure. Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it's, um, you know, and I've, I've interviewed him different times in sort of uh, press gaggles and things like that. And I've, I've always found him uh, engaged, curious, um, willing to wait uh, during the whole Republican primary. One of the things that set Donald Trump apart was that he would, after like a candidate's debate or one of those candidates nights, he would talk to the reporters until they were done with him. Jeb Bush never showed up. John Kasich never showed up. Like none of the others would show up. Now, maybe they would show up because it was prearranged with Fox and they give Fox, you know, five, 10 minutes. But, uh, 
you know, I, I, I thought it was uh, very generous of him. And, uh, I, you know, it, it was, it was a great, ex a great experience for me. And I was able to cover the white house for one American news and do reports from the white house. And it was really an honor. I mean, there's just no, you know, you just don't, you don't get bored of walking inside that gate and, um, and just seeing the, you know, from the white house from inside the gate. And, and part of it is that, uh, I just always imagine that the, uh, that the tourists didn't realize I was just a reporter that maybe if they thought I was like some kind of important person, like I just, like the <laughs> tourists would see me, like I just, you know, cause you know, yeah, it's like, but uh, you know, President Donald Trump and his administration uh, are in a tough fight. And uh, you know, if, if they, if they lose, I think speaking for myself, I think that, you know, the American people, the American people, you know, if they're if if they're in an election or a referendum or something, and it's a fair fight and they lose, they accept it, and so that's kind of the deal. Uh, when when I was in uh, in Iraq in 2009, 2010, you know, during you know provincial elections and whatnot, right? The question was, if a governor running for re-election in some province in Iraq lost the election, would he hand over the keys and leave his office? And there was a guy in one province and it took him like three days to leave. He couldn't believe he lost. But after three days, he said, I got to leave and I got to move on. And then a new guy came in. And that's that, that's something that uh, we forget in this country because, you know, mayors leave and they come and they go. Governors, people come and go. We don't have any circumstances where the transition is in question. But in other countries, that's a very big deal. And I think as more stuff comes out with uh, what they did to uh, General Flynn and uh, the Russian collusion hoax and all these other things, I think the question is, was that a legitimate, sincere transfer of power? And I think people might say it wasn't. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, Americans need to, need to do their, do their due diligence and really look at where is that power being incepted from? Where is that power? Does it, does it go beyond the Oval Office? And the reason I say that is because, again, the current, the, not only is current commander in chief uh, frequently mentioning fake news as being a, a, a national concern, rather, uh, and I don't think, I don't know if he's saying it's a concern, but he's talking about, he's pointing fingers and calling out fake news, CNN, things, outlets like that, but also deep state. So, so if there's a deeper governing power that goes beyond that Oval Office, then it would behoove all Americans to, in my opinion, to uh, to research that. So, with that said, uh, and, and Neil, we appreciate your time and and and, and thank you for for joining the program. Oh, sure. um, uh, what is your? Uh, you don't need to be speaking for Project Veritas. I know you're you're on their clock right now, but but uh, this can this is a question for uh, for Neil McCabe. Uh, what is your? Uh, 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 closing comment for Americans, for listeners. What do you want them walking away with and how can they make, not to be cliche here, but uh, regardless of political party, how can listeners make America great again or at least improve it, strengthen it, make it a better place? We've got a lot of issues uh, that, we're, that we're facing now that, uh, that are, that are, uh, that are, that are possibly tearing, uh, tearing at the fibers of, of, of the country. Well, I think that uh, as a reporter who owned a newspaper and worked for newspapers, I've seen this transition 
to where, uh, you know, I was very good at page layout, newspaper, magazine, page, especially newspaper layout. It was a skill that I, I was very good at and I really enjoyed it because it was kind of a puzzle. And, but it's like, it's like saying to somebody, I make a really good buggy whip. <laughs> you know, it's like, who cares? Because people just on their phones can take pictures, they can take video, they can record, and then you can post it on Facebook and then it can become a story just from Facebook. So uh, there's this woman who's, the I call her the Empress of the North, uh, the mayor, the uh, governor of Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. All yeah. right. Her, her dear husband took the boat out for Memorial Day weekend and the guy who he, you know, the, or wanted to, and the guy from the marina said, we're not going to do it. The guy from the marina just posted it on Facebook. All right. That was it. That's hot. But it became <laughs> like an international story. Yeah. And so we all have that capability now. And uh, I think that people recognize that at Facebook and at Twitter, and they're trying to shut that down. I was retweeting a friend of mine from Breitbart, Patrick Colley, today. And literally, I, I hit the like, and it went from 26 and then rolled back to 25. And then I hit the retweet and it went from five. It went from, it was five and then it went to six and then it rolled back to five. And I did it again. I did it three times. I actually took pictures of, I took a video with my phone of me doing it. Great. Just to show Patrick, hey, I love you, man. I didn't want Patrick to think I wasn't retweeting him. And yeah. like, we, we've had uh, cases here where uh, uh, I got over a million views where James O'Keefe is at his desk and, and you could literally see the number of retweets go down, you know, something like, you know, it was like 800 in one swoop. And we, we caught a video of it where just 800 retweets are just taken off the board. Wow. And so, you know, but, you know, the truth wills out. And I, I have hope for this country. It's a, you know, I'm, I'm still in the Army Reserve. I'm proud to wear the uniform of this country. It's a country that I put my life on the line for, and I would do it again. And I think that that's where a lot of Americans are. We haven't given up yet. And, uh, you know, we still have a democracy and uh, I, I, I hope we keep it. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil McCabe, communication manager for Project Veritas. Neil, we look forward to bringing you back on the program at a future date. Thank you for joining us. All right, be good, Ian. So that was, actually happens to be, the first... Uh, Skype video that that uh, this program has done. And we we incepted. I say we because uh, me and uh, the studio space. Uh, the invitation uh, to use uh, space Windwood Radio. Um, uh, this program incepted in large part, actually, by uh, Miriam Hennen, the namesake thereof. Uh, whereas the Florida Sun and Spray Show. Um, and simply over the course of about a year, uh, the name changed to Discussions of Truth. Uh, look, folks, I appreciate you listening. Uh, send this out to a friend. Send it to a family member, colleague, associate. Send it to your your governor, well, maybe not this episode, but send the website, that is iantrottier.com, I-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R, 
uh, look at the guest list that we've uh, been able to uh, bring on to the program. It is impressive. And uh, we're coming up here this next hour with uh, editor, chief editor, and founder, uh, owner of uh, the Babylon Bee based out of Jupiter, Florida. Seth Dillon will be joining us here momentarily. So um, I thank you for your time. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram, uh, both handles, I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. And, uh, folks, until next episode and next time, be awesome.